Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say... Goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. No, 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 no. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. That's true. And you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on the show, which is occasionally actually about serums. And you can follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod and on Instagram at Forever35Podcast. And you can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is Serums. You can also join, follow, subscribe to the Forever35 subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Forever35. And you can call us or text us at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, if you do like the show, we so greatly appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to do that if you so choose. Yeah, thank you so much. (sighs) Well, Kate, 
here we are. It's it's Friday night. I am. Uh, let's break it down. I'm already in my pajamas, and I'm oh. bra and I'm braless. Oh, you're two steps ahead of me. I'm jealous. <laughs> are you in real clothes right now? Well, I mean, quote unquote, real clothes. Let's <laughs> okay. Be. I mean. I'm in, I had to take Henry to a doctor's appointment today, so I'm not in like total schlub clothes, but I am, I mean, my pants still have an elastic waist. As they should, Dory. I would be offended if you were like, I buttoned up these pants. Oh God. No. Although it is going to be chilly in LA this weekend. I know it's already starting to change. You can feel it. I'm excited. I am too. I'm excited to like get out a cozy sweater. Like trick your body into believing we have seasons. Yeah. That's supposed to rain. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe have a cup mm-hmm. of tea. Maybe read a mystery oh. by a fire. Oh, we have a fireplace. Okay. I like where this is going. I don't hate it. Maybe Dory's Hotel is in your heart and not, oh. and you can find it anywhere. Dory's Hotel is wherever you want it to be. (laughs) And this weekend, as we are recording, it's going to be in our own homes. That's true. I am excited about the prospect of getting cuddly, especially after this kind of particularly exhausting week for all people. Yeah. Have you just been like bone tired all week yes yes i texted you about this because it was it was like three four in the afternoon and i could have i felt i almost took a nap i mean i was so we're recording at the tail end of election week in the u.s uh that friday evening and I, i i could just go to sleep for 48 hours yeah um i yesterday i was like really tired Mm. but somehow like it's like i'm really tired all day and then around like eight or nine i get an annoying second wind and then i'm up till like 11 or midnight whoa that's late for you i know it's very annoying what are you doing with your second wind? Like, okay, I, I, so take me on this. Take me on this journey. Well, last night was a new journey because Matt decided that he wanted a dartboard. Sorry, <laughs> what? Matt decided that he wanted to start playing darts. Like at nine o'clock at night, he decided this. No, no, he had ordered it, and it but it came. Oh, okay. okay. Yesterday, I guess. Yeah. Or the day before. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, Because he was feeling nostalgic for the games of darts that he used to play with his dad. Except his dad didn't really play. Like, his dad kind of was, like, ignoring him whilst (laughs) Matt played darts. I don't know. Didn't totally follow. But he was like, I got a dartboard. And he installed it. And then he was like, do you want to play darts? And I was like, sure. Never actually, like played a full game of darts it turns out okay have you yes so you know the whole thing about 301 points oh no i just mean like i would have been to a bar and i've thrown darts against people well yes exactly i mean but like i've never played like a game like i've thrown darts before but i never played like the official rules of darts 
I don't know the official rules. I just like I definitely have tallied a score, but I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I've never truly played a game okay. of darts in the way that you were being forced to play with your husband. Yes, I had never played a, a game of darts and a real game of darts either. But you start with 301 points, and the point is, and the the goal of the game is to get to zero without going without busting, like without going over. It's very complicated. <laughs> it sounds annoying it was and i was winning like most of the game but then i couldn't get to zero and then matt won which is fine it's fine i'll get better you know one thing we've talked about on our show is like sharing hobbies with a partner or spouse i actually think this is kind of a fun thing for you two to do together yeah it was actually pretty fun i'm not yeah, gonna lie I bet it was um so yeah, so that's what I was doing until about 11. Then I had to play some Maj, of course. Holy shit, you started a game at 11 o'clock at night? Who is Who am I talking to right now? I mean, it's crazy. Games of Maj on the computer. On okay, the, okay. The okay. computer, the iPad, take five to seven minutes. It's not, oh, like, okay. it's not like I'm sitting down for like three hours. All right, copy that, copy that. Okay. Um... And then finally, I was like, okay, it's time for bed. And then did you go to bed? I did. I, okay. I bed. All right. Kate, I'm a gamer now. but You I'm really a gamer. are. I'm a gamer of only old-timey games. <laughs> <laughs> I eat old-timey candy and you play old-timey games. Yep. I, I, so this, there's... I play Mahjong with two different groups now, We uh, like every other week. And I was talking with one of the groups, and I was like, you guys, we should really learn how to play bridge. Oh, like, my I God. Have, I have wanted to learn how to play bridge for decades. I think I've told this story on the podcast before that I asked my grandmother once because my my grandparents were like huge bridge players. I mean, my my they played like well into their 90s. Wow. And I asked my grandmother once if she could teach me how to play bridge. And she was like, mm, it's very complicated. <laughs> oh, like she was basically like, no, <laughs> but like, I think she just couldn't be bothered. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which like, I kind of respect that anyway. So I never learned how to play bridge and I really want to learn how to play bridge. So I think that's my next old timey game. I mean, now seems like the time, right? What else am I doing? Literally nothing. I wish I had it in me to learn a complicated card game. I feel like Mahjong taught me that that might not be my thing. That's fine. I know, but it seems like it would be fun. You know what? It's really fun. Like in theory, it seems fun, but the learning part kind of makes it hard for my brain. You know, I found it very complicated and hard for like i don't know a week or so and then it just like all of a sudden clicked and then you're like oh okay i get it now and now i feel like i'm starting to get into the strategy of it you know i do know i mean i can imagine competitive you <laughs> the fun thing is that especially one of the groups i play with they're also very competitive oh my god we really have a time. Um, 
that's the thing. It's like if you're gonna play one of these games, like you kind of want to be competitive. I guess. I mean, like, what's the fun in not being competitive when you're playing like bridge or mahjong? I don't know. I don't know if I'm a particularly competitive person. That's fine. So I'm not sure. As you're saying this, I'm like, I don't know. It maybe I think it would be fun not being competitive, but it's like friendly competition, though. Okay, okay. I mean, I do like a win. Exactly. You get don't, it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I like to win things. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, I've been yammering. I wanted to talk to you about your election boundaries. Okay, so thank you for asking. I I have even though this has been a truly tumultuous and emotional and sad and at times happy kind of week and hopefully we'll end on a happy note we're just we're still in the process of waiting for the election to be called yeah. um but going into it i knew that it was going to be hard for me emotionally with my anxiety everything else so i set a bunch of boundaries for myself dory mm-hmm. and and I, I kind of implemented a bunch of self-care practices. And bizarrely, it was successful. I, I say bizarrely because I, I find like most often I will say I'm going to do something and I don't really follow through. But for whatever reason, I just could tell I really needed to take care of myself and try to make sure I was still you know, rested and fed and moving my body and not attached to my phone. So I, um, I, I've blocked myself from... Twitter completely, something I know I've talked about before on this show, but I did it again. I used mm-hmm. the app Freedom, which is an app that it's an, a, a blocker app. I use it for writing, but I, I basically needed to make it so that I could not never again look at Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even if I deleted my Twitter account, I would still find a way to look at people's tweets. So mm-hmm. this means I can't even like you've sent me tweets this week and I can't op- I can't see them. You can't even see them in the text. I can see them in the text, but often they'll have like a video or you need to expand. And then when I click through from the text, it I can't I'm not I'm blocked. I see. I see. I see. Which, you know, is fine. Um, and that has been life saving life changing it's been especially during uh election results you know i've already been obsessively checking my phone and waking up in the middle of the night and looking for updates and stuff like that so setting that boundary was really important to me and i set up a bunch of things for me to do i donated blood on election day which was something i'd never done before i i made sure i had a plan in terms of like getting food Mm-hmm. So, so that I wasn't stressed about that. I took a very long bath on uh, two nights ago and watched Schitt's Creek in the bathtub for the 7,000th time. Amazing. I just did stuff and I, and I tried to plan it. I made sure I, I got physical activity. I just tried to make sure all these things were in place so that I would do okay. And also, like one thing I did speak about with my therapist, I also set up a therapy appointment for the week. Um, and also, you know, I'm on um, Prozac, and I think that has helped me with my anxiety. So at this, you know, the 2016 election was a doozy for me emotionally, mm-hmm. and I was very wary of how I was going to process this. But I, I have, I felt like it has really helped to have these practices to fall back on which like i know is the whole theme of this podcast 
And yet, I'm still learning. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of stuff like culminated in you being able to do this for the election. I have to say my whole therapy appointment was me being like, I think I'm proud of myself. Like yeah. I feel, I feel okay. And my therapist was, and then I, and then I was like, Oh, I've, d- I think I've done the work on myself a little bit. Yeah. And that was, that was really gratifying, but it's like a slog. I mean, like it's been really hard and I never yeah, realized like, I was now doing you have this toolkit. Dory. I do. I have a toolkit. You do. I know. I really know. I'm, I, I, and, and also I feel like one thing that was helpful for me was like, knowing what would work for me and what wouldn't like Mm. for example i want to watch the queen's gambit a show that you have recommended but i knew like this was not the week to start it and so like all i could really do is watch schitt's creek i can't read a book right now i'm having a hard time writing that's fine i just Mm -hmm. keep turning on schitt's creek Mm -hmm. and just letting that wash over me so that's great it was um you know, it's it's interesting setting up these kind of boundaries for oneself. I would I'd be curious if other people have examples in their own lives of this. It doesn't necessarily need to be politically related, but oh, interesting. Yeah, let us know. Also, like I kept doing the things like I made sure I washed my face. I made sure I flossed. Just those like annoying things that you don't want to do, but you feel better mm-hmm. when you do them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, you know, hopefully, Dory, this will resolve itself soon. We can move forward and keep fighting. Hopefully by the time this airs, we will have a definitive answer. Oh, gosh. From your lips to G.O.D.'s ears, Dory. I dealt with everything by just seeking out memes meme therapy is therapy that's it that's all i did just just sought out memes they made me laugh don't you think that laughing helped you process the anxiety and the stress and the fear and the sorrow that you might have been experiencing i mean like for sure yes the memes are healing memes heal (laughs) oh well should we take a break Let's do that. Because when we come back, we are talking to a truly extraordinary person, Dr. Someone Michelle Harper. Someone who actually Harper. heals. <laughs> yeah, truly. Someone whose who's passion in life is healing others. And she's from Philly, or she lives in Philly. That's right. A, a you know, a pivotal, pivotal city for uh, this election. So we didn't plan it that way, but. Look how it turned out. Just turned out that way. Anyway, we'll be right back. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Kate, I feel like we are... Like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. 
Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F 
Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Our guest today is Dr. Michelle Harper. Michelle, welcome to Forever 35. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you. It's so fun being here. Well, we're going to get into it. And before we do, um, I would like to read your bio for our listeners so they get a sense of who you are. Dr. Michelle Harper has worked as an emergency room physician for more than a decade at various institutions, including as chief resident at Lincoln Hospital in the South Bronx and in the emergency department at the Veterans Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Philadelphia. She's a graduate of Harvard University and the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University. She has appeared on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, NBC Nightly News, MSNBC, Fresh Air, and more. And her first book, The Beauty in Breaking, was recently released in July. It was an instant New York Times bestseller and has been called Wise and Elegant by the Boston Globe, a book for our time by Ms. Magazine, riveting, heartbreaking, sometimes difficult, always inspiring by the New York Times Book Review, and past Forever 35 guest Elizabeth Gilbert, Gilbert mm-hmm. raved that it's extraordinary and beautiful. I agree. <sighs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it, it truly is. And we're so thrilled to have you on um, to discuss all things about your book and self-care, especially as it relates to someone working mm. in the medical profession, which yeah. I think as we as we know all the time, but especially right now, involves intense stress and 
challenges and can possibly be very hard to find times for self-care mm-hmm. when working as a doctor. It's it's really true. And especially now during the pandemic and the limitations. I mean, so many of my go-tos, for example, I love going to art museums It's or hanging out with certain friends and meeting up for coffee or happy hour. So it's hard. I mean, we're all having to be so flexible about how we adjust and take care of ourselves. And um, as a physician working through the pandemic, I'm no stranger to it. I, I do feel especially fortunate and blessed, though, that, it, that at least I have a job. I know this is a lot harder for a lot of people during this time. That's, that's not lost on me. I love that you mentioned that viewing art is part of your self, self-care self practices. I read that in an interview mm-hmm. you did, and I, I thought it was such a beautiful act of self-care. And I don't think it's one we've discussed yet on our show. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it. Is it Are you a museum goer? Is it something... How have you adapted it oh. now that we're in a pandemic? Uh, tell us everything. Oh, I mean, I have to tell you, sadly, that's one part that I feel tremendous loss about because I haven't found a way to adjust that appropriately. You know, when it comes to yoga, I can do yoga on demand and do that in my living room as annoying as that is, but, but I can do that. But for museums, they have been for years now, my temple, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, but the act of going to a museum for me, I mean, I feel like I'm entering a church, a temple. It is so deeply spiritual for me. Um, and it was part of my regular routine. I mean, people, <laughs> there are people in, in Philadelphia who will tell you, yeah, like I always saw her at PAFA or the Museum of Art, always there. I mean, I love going to lectures, um, different events they would have, performances. Um, I love going just walking over randomly in the middle of the day and being by myself with mm. the paintings and sculpture and I continue to support the museums, of course, because I, I want them to be around when this is all over, when we can comfortably um, resume our activities there. But but it hasn't been the same viewing the art on the computer. I mean, I, I don't get the sense of the, the texture or colors in the same way. As good as my computer may be, as, as good as Apple products are, it's it's not the same experience. Sadly, so yeah. so I wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's such... There's such solace. I, I, museums are so amazing because you're, mm-hmm. you can be alone and be quiet, but you're also often you're surrounded by people or by art. Yeah. And it's, there's, they are really sacred places. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, do you, you mentioned some museums in Philadelphia. Do you have a favorite to visit when we are back <sighs> in the business of visiting places? I have to tell you that one of my favorite things to do is, um, just get on the train because I live in Philadelphia, but it's easy to get to New York City <laughs> by Amtrak. And I, I, I swear to you, I will just on a day I'm off, get on the train and go to New York City um, for an exhibit mm. like MoMA or Guggenheim. I, I do some research in advance to see who's where. I was planning a trip to Boston because they were having, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, but Yoyoi Kusama exhibit. Not often in the U.S., but there's a, I, I couldn't get tickets. It was sold out every time in wow. D.C. Uh, but but now it was going to be in Boston. Yeah. I was like, this is my chance. And I was planning it in advance. And, and then the pandemic hit. So, But 
so I have favorites, but I will try and New York city is one of my favorite places, but I will travel for art. I was, I was like internet stalking when Titus Kafar would have another exhibit coming up, mm. but then the pandemic. So that's okay. I'm patient. And this is one of the big reasons why I want to stay in good health because there yeah. is art that is, that I must see. <laughs> Well, and the the Met is open again. Yes, they are starting to open. They are. I, they are. And, and I should look because, you know, unfortunately, when I looked at one of my favorite museums here, many of the buildings were closed. So there were limited mm. exhibitions. Um, so, so I'll have to see. I love how you write in your book about your early morning yoga practice. And you write yoga is a way back to our whole selves. And I just loved that. Mm sentiment and that description of what yoga can be for people and also your meditation mm -hmm. practice, which sounds like it's a really powerful form of self-care for you. So I'm wondering if you could talk about how you started those practices and what continuing those practices has meant for you, especially now that we're in a pandemic and you can't go to your right. yoga studio or your meditation um, studio. And so I came to, I came to the physical practice of yoga that was after I was getting divorced. The divorce wasn't final, but I was in the midst of a divorce, um, had recently moved. I had graduated from residency and was starting over in this new place, Philadelphia, at a new job and now newly single. So everything just felt like it had come crashing down around me. At this time, I'd been looking forward to, like, fi finally, I was graduating and I wasn't just a doctor, but I was going to be a real doctor now, starting <laughs> my real doctor <laughs> job. And I had all these hopes and plans um, being in this area um, with that and with my husband. And then we would start planning our future. So it was all over. And I was devastated in many ways. And I was just searching for a way back to myself so I could feel okay again, feel better again, feel whole. And I knew that would be a process. I knew it would be a journey. Um, and that's what brought me to my first yoga class. And it stayed with me because, because mm. I recognize that this, this process of life, there are always challenges. And what I really grieved about my divorce, it wasn't, I mean, he's a good guy, but it wasn't about losing him. <laughs> it was about losing this story that I had for myself. It was about healing from my, um, this next level of healing from childhood trauma. As, as I speak about in the book, it's a memoir. It's, um, I, I speak about healing from the trauma of growing up in an abusive home with a batterer for a father and one of the most stable long-term relationships I had had with a man was with my ex-husband. And now that was over and it was triggering in many ways. And I had to look at that. What, what, what was a healthy relationship? What are healthy, um, what is healthy self-love? What does it mean to really be in partnership? So yoga was instrumental in that. And so as I continued to navigate life and the challenges of life, I found that it would remain key. And thank God it did because it is getting me through this pandemic and book launch in a pandemic and, and all of these life transitions. So it stayed. Do you have a specific yoga practice that you do 
at home? Like, a, do you have a, do you follow a YouTube channel or other classes? You know, I do. I, um, I love my current studio. I've been with it a long time and I've, it's been important to me when I can to support, um, local businesses mm-hmm. because they have it so difficult. Just in the same way, I want to support art museums through this. I want to support various local businesses as well. So I'm thankful my yoga studio transitioned to an online platform. Mm. And so, so I, so I just continue my membership and, um, continue to practice with oh, them. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad I'm happy about it. And I'm happy that, you know, so far they've been able to weather the storm and I'll, I'll do what I can to help them do that. You mentioned divorce and, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually a, a, a topic that has come up with listeners of our show of, of kind of how to, how to take care of yourself following the end of a, a relationship. Um, in addition to yoga, was there stuff that you you did or even still do that kind of helped you process that, that ending slash new beginning in your life? Yeah. Yes. So many things. And I do want to say, and I I remember when I was getting divorced, I remember frantically searching online, like, how do people do this? What are the resources? And I didn't find many at Mm. the time. Now this was, oh gosh almost 10 years ago that it, that it was finalized. So it was a while ago. I'm hoping resources have changed. Um, and I do want to start by saying that, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if people often lead with this, but I feel that divorce is a blessing. I really do. I don't want there to be stigma around divorce. I think divorce is wonderful. I feel like people should never be held in bondage for any reason. And there's so much pressure to be in a relationship, I mean, especially for women, that somehow our sense of self, our relevance is largely determined by our relationship, specifically in relation to a man. And I don't believe that. I don't think that's necessary. I think divorce is great. Um, So once I got through it, that's my perspective. And what I used at the time, because at the time it wasn't my perspective, was (laughs) yoga meditation, um, a therapist and like spirit, whatever I could find spiritually. Um, I call it spiritual coaching because I heavily relied on people like, uh, Pema Chodron, Tar, Brock, um, more, more recently I've come to Eckhart Tolle and I would read their books, listen to any video I could find online about it. So all of those tools helped me get through it. And, and truthfully, um, I still use all of those tools today just because I feel like it helps me be a, a grounded human in general and it's helped me evolve and grow. Well, and, and, you know, as we mentioned, you are a practicing physician who is, mm-hmm. is working today um, during this pandemic and we've we've actually have heard from a lot of um nurses, doctors, administrators, people in medical professions about about this time and kind of navigating self-care. How do you how would you advise other people in, in medical professions to to take care of themselves during this time when they are they're really being pushed to 
I mean, I know it, I know it is part of the profession to really be challenged and pushed mm. at all times, but this seems significantly different. I'm a lay person, but uh, yeah. so I could be wrong. It's so different in many ways. <clears throat> I would say that, well, I'm in the Northeast. Um, I practice clinically in the Northeast now. And in terms of volume and also an ER doctor in terms of volumes in the ER, in terms of acuity of disease from COVID, they are not like they were several months ago when we were in the thick of it, where we were just slammed with super sick patients. Um, and that in that case, and I know there are some country, some regions in the country that are in that. And during that time, honestly, all you can do is survive. You do what you do to get through it. You work, you sleep, um, and you just try to, quite literally, in, in these circumstances, live and help other people live. And then as you can, like like for us now, where it's not as busy, um, include, incorporate those practices that can help you restore, rejuvenate, and restore. And I, and I just want to make that clear because... I want to be realistic. And when you're in the middle of a war, um, it, you can't go get a massage. It's just not practical. It's not how it works. When you're in the war, you get through the war and then you do what you can to pick up the pieces. When you're after survival mode, then you, you thrive. And, th- and that's where we're at. And we're bracing. Um, and I would encourage all of us who have the luxury of, of time right now and the luxury of health, because not everybody has that, to use those practices because we don't know what's going to, we're approaching fall. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We have to be realistic and we have to bolster our resources. So we're ready. One thing I find though, that doesn't sound too hopeful, but it's real. (laughs) One thing, (laughs) one thing that really does help me though, is I do have this practice, this practice of Tara Brock will say, radical acceptance and i say radical honesty i really believe that there's something really healing and supportive about being honest about how i feel about the situation i'm in and then acting from that place mm. so when i say the state what's happening in the state of medicine i'm just going to be honest about it it is difficult it is challenging we don't have the resources we need we have to do what we can to take care of ourselves I mean, in the midst of this, healthcare providers are being fired and furloughed. Our hours are cut. Our pay is cut. I mean, it's it's very demoralizing. That is healthcare in America. Um, it helps me to be honest about that. It helps me to to look for the places where I have agency, providing care for people that I can, um, providing care for myself, and then being active in ways that I can to change the system so that it is actually functional and focuses on, on care. You know, I'd love to talk about the ways that this is a running theme throughout your book, but the ways that race mm-hmm. plays into treatment and how patients can advocate for themselves and how doctors mm. can advocate for themselves. I mean, you have a really, really, intense anecdote about when you were not given a promotion Mm. at one of the hospitals you were working at um, 
and the as you I think you describe him the the liberal white male doctor is just mm-hmm. kind of passing the buck right like he's saying yeah. oh you know I really tried tried to get you that promotion but didn't work so you know in the system that is just like inherently unequal how mm-hmm. are patients supposed to advocate for themselves if they are people of color in a predominantly white system that doesn't right. understand them or want to advocate for them right yeah and that that that's that's a, a common theme that is tragic and terrible um, yeah. and unfair um, it's at, for patients. <clears throat> uh, I think, I think it's, it's very hard. Um, you know, I, I'll share their story because I, I feel like it exemplifies everything we're speaking about. Um, a young woman, she's, she's in her thirties and coming in with a heart racing, shortness of breath. She just feels off. She has thyroid disease. This patient is in the ER because she's already called her primary care doctor, who pretty much doesn't take it seriously, um, called her endocrinologist, who's like, I don't know, it's not me. Call your primary care doctor. Mm. Primary care doctor, nobody's actually seen her. Her symptoms are getting worse. Primary care calls in some uh, t- uh, new blood pressure medicine. She continues to get worse. Of course she does. I'm now seeing her in the emergency department. Actually, I wasn't the first provider to see her. Um, one of the mid-levels saw her. I, I, I saw her information on the tracking board, and I was concerned. Mm-hmm. I thought she might be sicker. Uh, then the triage note said, so I went to the room when he was seeing her. Um, he's an older white male, mid-level provider. And I said, oh, how's she doing? What's happening? He's like, oh, she's fine, whatever, some medication issue. I took the case from him because I knew she wasn't fine. Yeah. And I knew that already so many people had failed her and we spoke. Long story short, I I ended up stabilizing her. I admitted her to the intensive care unit. Oh my gosh. None of this had to happen. She was really sick. Multiple organs now were not functioning properly because everyone kept blowing her off and not taking her seriously. And she, she said to me that she was trying and no one was taking her seriously. And I said to her, I take you seriously. I believe what's happening and I'm very concerned. So we're going to take care of this for you. And we did. And that happens all the time. And it's extremely difficult for patients because this is an example of a person who kept trying and trying and was getting nowhere. And then one day she met somebody who took her seriously and it worked. Meanwhile, she could have died. And we see this all the time with infant mortality, with Black women dying in childbirth. It's an ongoing issue. And so what's the solution? She she did the right thing, but she never stopped. She kept until she got an answer. But then the other part of the solution is people, you know, it's not really fair. She was sick. How far, how, how, how far could she have gone with this? Um, but then that's why there are people like me there to advocate. People like you who are bringing this up on your podcast, because those of us who have more privilege, whether it's by, because we're not as um, structurally disenfranchised, or we have more money, or we're in the position you know, of a physician, we have to use our, it's my opinion anyway, that we have to use our power to help people in the acute setting and also 
to change the inequity structurally. Yeah, I think that's, it's so important and such a good reminder of those of us who, as you say, are in positions of privilege to mm-hmm. use that privilege for good. So thank you for that. Yeah. Do, do you have thoughts on how those of us in that, in that privilege space can fight for change in, in the medical system to make it more equitable? Mm-hmm. I do. I, um, I mean, this is going to be a multifaceted approach. Having these honest discussions is important. Um, naming the problem is important. I mean, and then we get into, oh, oh my gosh, voting, voting, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> having people, you know, whether certain people themselves want to become politically engaged in terms of running for office. Yes. Being involved in the political process, whether it's by um, running for that office yourself and then always for all of us voting for people who are going to tackle these issues in ways that are positive and meaningful, critical. So all of us can do that. And then, you know, in medicine, we have to look at our implicit bias and how that plays out, or or it's not always implicit, implicit and explicit (laughs) Um, and changing it. There needs to be accountability. Like it shouldn't be okay to be, racist or sexist or homophobic that has real detrimental health outcomes. People need to be held accountable for that. We need to have equal pay, justice in hiring and promotion. So it's going to, it's, it's going to take work on all fronts. Mm. It's hard not to be discouraged, (laughs) but I I find that like your overall message is really focused is very hopeful Mm -hmm. do you do you identify as a hopeful person and if so like what what makes you hopeful (laughs) i identify i do identify and i I think that was brilliant the way you put it i i do identify as hopeful i am not often optimistic Mm. but i am a hopeful person and i think that that i feel like the difference is rooted in faith and i have so much faith and I do have faith in the essence of humanity. And so that's what keeps me going. It also keeps me going that, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Audre Lorde right now, but she has a famous uh, statement where she says, you know, when, when I use my voice, when I'm focused on my vision, then it doesn't matter whether or not I am afraid. And in the same way, because I'm focused on the mission of healing, and I call myself an abolitionist. And I mean, because I advocate for freedom of all kinds, and I feel that all people should be free spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, And because those are the missions that are important, how I feel about it, you know, whether or not I'm afraid, or sad or discouraged, it doesn't matter. What matters is the mission. And that's what keeps me hopeful and persistent. You have a really, so, well, I should back up and say that each chapter of your book kind of centers around a different patient or patients that you treated in the ER and kind of what you learned from them. Mm-hmm. And you have this really powerful chapter about a patient named Joshua who has metastatic mm-hmm. cancer. And it seemed like you really learned 
a lot from him, not just from treating him, but actually from him. And I'm wondering, like, what what else have you learned from your patients? Have you learned about self care from them? Um, what what do you what have you kind of taken away from the interactions with patients like Joshua? Yeah, Joshua was one of those encounters that would stay with me forever because in the face of this diagnosis, his cancer came back and now it was metastatic. The prognosis for, I mean, survival, let alone recovery, um, was not good. But in the face of that, he demonstrated such equanimity, such grace. He knew, he already knew. um, And he said that he felt good in his body. He felt good with his family. And he just wanted to feel good like that and live the way he wanted to. He happened to be a vegetarian, like eating healthy foods, being with his family, being outside. That's what he wanted to enjoy for however much longer he had on this earth. And what I took from that, which is so powerful for me, is that we don't often have control over what's going on in our lives. The only thing we have control over is how we respond to it. And that our our grounding, our contentment, even in many respects, our joy, and I use that word in a spiritual way, our joy ultimately doesn't have anything to do with the external factors. Mm. Um, and I love that. You know, you, when we talk about divorce or the ends of relationships, it's all the same. It, you know, our, our sense of rooting and contentment and purpose comes from within. Mm-hmm. Then the, re- the rest is, you know, their trappings that can come and go. Sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're not. And um, so that's why I, you know, Joshua wasn't there to improve my life, right. but it's a byproduct. That's just what happened, which was so beautiful. And I'm, I'm thankful to him for that. And those are the kinds of lessons I learned from my patients. I mean, whether it's that or learning about forgiveness um, and what the true meaning of forgiveness is, or learning about the courage to be vulnerable, um, like a young woman who came to the ER and was feeling really depressed because she felt isolated during co- coronavirus because somebody at her job was harassing her and the patients were mean to her at uh, patients. The clients, she was a grocery store clerk, were mean to her mm-hmm. and she had no one to talk to. So she really came to the ER just to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, her, her, her openness, she's like a 20 something year old woman, her openness, just seeking for help, doing whatever it took to get help, being willing to be open and vulnerable. These are the lessons um, that I learned from my patients that I'm grateful for. You know, they're not always, I, not all of my patients are sympathetic either. I know, mm, <laughs> definitely yeah. not. <laughs> I purposely bring that up because, you know, whether it's um, a man I have to take care of who there was a violent behavior alert because he sexually assaulted a physician who was trying to help him during the course of care, groped her. And that's the alert I see on the screen before I then have to see him. And 
Turns out he was very sick that day. And um, I did take care of him. He, he needed to be, he, he had a hernia that needed to be operated on. And one of the things I learned in that moment was that I have to be careful. I mean, yeah, my, my anger for his past behavior was righteous and justified, and he should be held accountable for it. No woman should ever be assaulted. No person should be assaulted at any time, much less in the course of their work. The institution should have to address that. And in that moment, he wasn't doing those things, and he had a life-threatening illness. And my commitment is to do my job well, to do no harm, and to heal people. So I needed to put the story aside and do that. And so for me, even that encounter was very important. And I, you know, I, that's a really important story now as we see so much division, so much heinous behavior. Um, that people have exhibited, but still I would hope, like I have to dig deep sometimes to get past the heinous behaviors of others to still live in integrity. And and it's my hope that we can all find a way to do that, to be our best selves, even in extremely difficult circumstances. That's really powerful. Yeah, I love, I love you what you say about healing, by healing ourselves, we heal each other. By healing mm. each other, we heal ourselves. That kind of s- circular relationship is really, yeah. really amazing. And it's, and healing has been such a, it, it's such a focus of your own life. And then it's what you provide to others. So that's, that relationship is really fascinating and inspiring. Yeah, thank you. And I, I do really feel like it's, it's the only way forward. And even in that case I was talking about, you know, that night, every doctor who helped that person was like, I'm a woman. The first surgeon on who I called was a woman. The surgeon who later took him to the operating room was a woman. And I thought to myself, I have no proof that he was decent or changed. But if he was going to become a better person, the universe just provided him this exam, this opportunity to look at his behavior because the people who literally saved his life, who had to examine his, his hernia was inguinal, who had to examine his incarcerated genitals that were going to potentially kill him. The woman, the people who cured him in that moment, all of them were women. So Mm -hmm. by me providing this service in an objective way and by all these other women doing that, Maybe, just maybe, that was his opportunity to correct himself. I don't know, but I feel like it's instances of, like that, that that are, as as a society, our way forward. Uh, you have such grace in the situation, though, and yeah. that's, that's <laughs> I think, often hard for many of us. <laughs> Listening yeah. to you talk, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could, if I would have the same same reaction. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am going to switch gears to a a much more superficial note to end on. (laughs) Um, We have been on having an ongoing discussion on our show about comfortable footwear. 
And I feel like there is no greater expert about comfortable shoes than a, a doctor <laughs> and an ER or nurse. An ER doctor. I always, whenever I'm in a hospital setting, I always check out what clogs people are wearing. So oh. I am curious, could you contribute to the conversation? Do you have a comfortable shoe that you wear to work that you recommend? Okay. So that I wear to work, which is an important distinction because I only wear these to work. I love dance goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but let me qualify this. Okay. So the reason I love dance goes, like the ones with the hard cover that are shiny, so that when pus and blood hit your shoe, it rolls off your shoe and doesn't go into your sock or on your skin. So that is important. <laughs> And I have never thought about that <laughs> when it comes to shoes. Oh my gosh. I'm laughing, but that's very intense and very serious. It's a serious thing. <laughs> you do not want a pus soaked sock. That is not wow. how you want your day to end now. So that's important, but also the structure. I mean, it's, it's just so comfortable. Now I will say the reason I only wear them at work is it is extremely it's almost inevitable if you wear them on the street, you will twist your ankle. Yes. So, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I, I do not recommend them because I've, I've worn that. I made pre COVID. I have like done a quick errand after work in them and it, it's bad it, because, because I do yoga. It's okay. I didn't hurt myself, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> this is a hot tip. This is really a hot tip. <laughs> I'm so, so the, glad we discussed this. <laughs> I know. I, I, I wear dance goes actually in my real life, um, mm. but I have rolled my ankle very seriously in them. So it's a real, uh, you pay the price, but they are very comfortable. And Kate, do you wear it yes. with shiny leather? <laughs> so the pus, yes. so all the pus that I encounter yes, in my all life? the pus and blood rolls off your shit. Roll off. I don't. <laughs> I do have shiny patent leather ones, but I literally am thinking about them and I'm like, wow, I've never thought about this service that you provide to medical professionals. I mean, that's, but like, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Totally. It's a big deal. But you know what? Outside of work, the shoe, my, my, the shoe I swear by for working out and then I got their just regular walking shoe, their QCs, I think they're called. Like, oh, on, do you know that? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, mm. I wear them and my husband wears them. Yes. He works in television, so he's on his feet a lot, but he was like, apparently doctors wear these. So it all the comes best. back around. Yes, the they're on, I wear. on cloud. Yes. yes. On, the only shoe I wear for working out, because I had a terrible, when I was running more, terrible um, hamstring injury. And the guy at the store said, you need this shoe. And I did. It rehab my injury and now I swear by them. So now wow. I got their walking shoe. So like when I when I would take the train to New York, I would wear them and uh, they're the best. Well, you've really covered <laughs> literally everything. Yes. To, to, this has been so so awesome to get to talk to you. I mean, I feel like we could go on for hours, I but um, I'll take up your whole day, but um Michelle, this has been it's been amazing. Can Truly. you can you let our listeners know where they can learn more about you and also where they can acquire your book? Yes. More about me. Um, my website's a good source, uh, michelleharper.com. And I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I'm not so good with social media, but, but I am on Instagram too. But my website's good. My book, you could always go to my author page from Random House. 
uh, or my website shows links. And I always say, if you can support your local bookstore by getting it there, that's a beautiful thing or bookshop.org, which also helps to support local bookstores. Well, Michelle, it, I, it was so great to talk to you. I learned so thank much and um, I just, we just really enjoyed your, our conversation. So thank you again. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Can you imagine if you lived in Philly and you got to the ER and Dr. Harper was your doctor? I'd be thrilled. I know. She I felt seems like she'd be so calm. I, you know, you're, you're what you're saying is reminding me how I felt when we did that interview, which was like I just felt like we were in good hands. Mm. As as mm. people interviewing someone, she was just so wonderful to talk to. So yes, that would be a dream. Totally. We should probably move to Philly if you try to do that. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Shout out to our listeners in Philly. Yes. Thank you for being you. Shout out to Gritty. Shout out to the Eagles. Mm. No? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Shout out, shout out to Cheesesteaks. Shout yeah, out yep. to those stairs that Rocky runs on. Yep, the Rocky stairs. Yeah, and that's about... Uh, shout out to the Roots. Okay, shout out shout to Rittenhouse Square. Shout out to Rittenhouse Square. <laughs> 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 
That's like not a cool, a cool place to shout out, right? No, that's like a like, fancy it's like old shouting person. Out like the Upper East Side. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a uh, wedding there once in 2005, so that's my only reference point is that wedding. <sighs> wow. Well, I love shouting out <laughs> the three things I know about Philadelphia, which is a beautiful city. I have been there. It is a beautiful city, and I hope you know. I hope that one day when we are allowed to travel and have live events again, we can do an event in Philly. Oh, I would love it because I feel Let's like people, manifest that. people know how to get the F down in Philadelphia. They do. They like, do. It is. I don't know. It's a cool, it's it may, a cool you know, all of the, all of the, all of the stuff on social media and the talk of Philly did make me very nostalgic for Philly. Mm. Also, because like that was where I lived in my early 20s, like my Mm -hmm. early and mid 20s. Yeah. So I'm also probably just like nostalgic for that time. Like I'm not like I don't want to go back to that time. But, you know, it's such a carefree time. Dory, I know for a lot of people. It was for me, even though I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) Because I was a (laughs) dum-dum. Oh, my gosh. All right. Dory, what is your intention this week? Last week, you were working on not worrying about election stuff. Yes. So I just, you know, I was really trying to just like be in the moment, which I actually think, you know, I talked about memes at the beginning of the show. And I I think that the memes were kind of my way of doing that, of just like staying Mm. in the moment and not like getting, as I said last week, like pre-worried or pre-anxious just like this is where we are right now. So I think I did that. This week, I want to just get a head start on holiday shopping. Ugh, I need to do that. How is it November? And how I know. is this the thing we have to do? I know. I know. So I don't know. Gotta okay. think about that. I would what like the, I would like the Dyson hair curler in case you are want to get a head start on that for me. Okay. Good Thank to you. know. Thank you yep. so much. Okay. Okay. Um, last week, my intention was to do a p- some, do some sort of action, social justice action to, uh, because the work doesn't just end when this election happens, right? That's what I was trying to kind of consider. And I did sign up to make phone calls for both the Senate runoff races in Georgia. So I'm very excited about that. So I'll be working on that. Um, awesome. Now, this week, I have kind of an embarrassing... Well, I guess it's not embarrassing, but here's what it is, Dory. I want to plan out our holiday decorations, and I want to go like balls to the wall crazy with holiday lights. Yes! Are you guys going to be one of those houses that people like drive past slowly? No, I want to be one of those houses that like you notice. Like, I don't want it to just be like you have like one little like beep of a light, you know, like, or it's like, eh, you just like threw a string mm. of lights on a bush. Mm-hmm. I want to be like tastefully done with a bit of pizzazz or humor, but not overdoing it. Mm. Okay. So you're not going to have any of those like blow up Santas in the, on your lawn. I don't think so. I, I have to kind of figure it out, but like, I was going to like sketch out my vision. I feel like this feels beyond my reach i don't i'm not i'm not a visual person decorating it kind of overwhelms my brain but i really love the winter holiday season and i'm 
I miss my family so much and we're not going to see them. And yeah, I just, I feel I get really nostalgic, especially being from the East coast. And it reminds me of my mother. And I just like, I just kind of want to make it plus like everything has been really hard this year. So if I can like brighten it by blasting my tunes and stringing up the lights that we have, I'm going to do it. I love that. I mean, Matt is also thinking this way. Like he has been like, we are starting Christmas early because like, what else do we have this year? Yeah, I so, am going to get my tree up very soon. Yeah. So we're going to like start decorating really soon. Can't wait. I l- this is my favorite. Yeah, Because you're right. What else is going on? And we're in our houses so much. Yes. We might as well be as festive as possible. Totally. And cozy. Mm-hmm. And a hygge. Yes. I'm going to get a hygge this weekend. Oh, you mean like you're going to hygge it up? I'm going to hygge it up this weekend. Yep. I'm already kind of, I feel like I'm kind of hoogaing right now as I'm recording this. Oh, well, look at you. Not like I'm trying to one up you in hooganess. Sure, whatever. I am, I am in pajama pants. Queen of hooga. <laughs> I look, I'm the head of hooga for this podcast. I mean, you are. Oh, I'm not. You I don't are. actually don't feel like I am execute hooganess as well as I could. So I'm ready. Well, I'm ready for just to watch you improve. Oh, thank you. Thank you, master of, of Huga. No, I'm not the master. You're the queen. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yep, yep, yep. I'm your disciple. <laughs> all right, <Okay>. Dora. <laughs> all right, Kat. We've said it all. We have. There's nothing left to say. Except Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dora Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is ACAST. And we thank you for listening. Thank you.